Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. When Kristen Case is not teaching second grade, she's fighting human trafficking by designing and selling jewelry. We talk about her work with the Columbus-based relief organization Freedom a la Carte. Kristen, tell us how you first heard of the issue of human trafficking and why that really caught your attention. Um, Well, it started all with a movie, and I think a lot of people, it might have started this way. Um, About maybe six or seven years ago, um, there's a movie called Taken, which you've probably heard about. Um, And it's ironic because since learning, you know, now that I've learned a lot about human trafficking, I kind of realized that the way it's portrayed in that movie is kind of super sensational and not at all what it really looks like in most cases. Um, But I'm still thankful for that movie because the storyline was that, you know, um, a person's daughter was kind of uh, overseas and and got caught up in it in a ring of of sex trafficking. And so um, even though that might not be the way it typically goes with um, the majority of of situations, um, I'm super thankful for it because the whole time, all I could think of was, oh, my gosh, what a sick person to write this movie. You know, like, mm-hmm. who is thinking these things, you know? And so the whole time, I'm just I'm just totally appalled that, like, something like this could happen. In the movie, you know, it's not just one person. It's this big network of people um, from the first person she meets who's, you know, kind of kind to her all the way through this network of different people who are running, you know, these trafficking rings everywhere. So, my first thought is like, ooh, who could think of this? Like, this is just sick, you know, imagination. But, you know, art imitates life, right? So there's probably some truth in it somewhere. So I remember coming home from the movie theater that night, and my husband just goes to bed like any old day, and I was just disturbed. I could not stop thinking about it. And so I couldn't sleep. I got online. I started researching about, like, human trafficking. Like, okay, is this real? Is this something that, like, really happens? And if so... Does it, does it like, like, is it just these poor people in foreign countries or is this something that like happens here? And I could not believe, I mean, for hours, I was up till two or three o'clock in the morning, just reading um, about human trafficking. And I just couldn't believe that the whole time I was thinking, this sounds like slavery. Like this sounds like people enslaving other people that cannot be right. But the more I read about it, it's so sadly common. Like there's, it's so, it's so everywhere. And what I found out was Ohio was actually, it was happening a lot in Ohio. And I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. This is my place. Like this is my home state. You know, that can't happen. Um, and so kind of that lit the fire in me that night, as far as like being angry about it or being upset about it. But I literally just closed my laptop and said like, okay, God, I'd like to forget every single thing I just read. Cause that was so horrible. <laughs> I don't want to know those things. Um, and then I just kind of went to bed and it just kind of sat there in me for a while. Um, and then it was just, you know how like every once in a while, like you start hearing about something, all of a sudden you hear about it everywhere. Right. And that's kind of how it was with human trafficking. It would seem like every once in a while I would see something on the news, a book would come out. It was just in my face a lot. And, um, you know, I'm all, I'm all about like, there's a million things in the world we could kind of put our energies into, but like the ones that keep coming at you. Like, there's a reason, you know, that's mm-hmm. like your thing to kind of do something about. Um, so all this time, I kind of feel like I'm supposed to do something about this, but I'm like a second grade teacher. Like, what do I do about this problem of human trafficking worldwide and local? So um, that's when it started for me, and it basically never stopped bothering me. Um, so that's kind of how I got started even knowing about human trafficking. Um, and then, again, another thing that popped up on my radar is, a local group 
um, I saw a thing in my church bulletin. They were coming to do a training at our church about, like, basically human trafficking 101. And I thought, okay, well, here's my chance to learn for real. You know, these are people really working with, with folks who have come out of trafficking. And, like, I want to hear what these people have to say. Like, I don't know if the stuff in the movies is right or what I read online is right. I want to hear from them. And the organization at the time was called DOMA International. They've since um, kind of umbrellaed their name under another organization that they created as well. But um, that's how I learned about it. And from then, I really heard stories about people truly in my backyard. I mean, literally in Columbus, where I grew up my whole life. And I just kept thinking the whole time, like, these women could be me. Like, this could have been me. Like, you know, just the situations that young girls found themselves in that kind of led to them being with people who exploited them. That could have been me. It could have been any of us. You know, we all make decisions when we're teenagers or whatnot that, you know, we might get ourselves in situations where we realize, oh, we can't get out of this. Um, That's kind of how it started for me. What do those situations look like? You say it's different in real life than it is in the movies Mm -hmm. in most circumstances, but, but I mean, I'm still stuck on the, wait, what? This is happening in Columbus, Ohio? Yeah. So well, what, what does that look like? The story, the main story that caught me, that really kind of like just put its hooks in my heart, um, was a story of a young girl that they had actually worked with. Um, she, was around, she was from a suburb of the Columbus area, um, a nice area, a nice family. You know, it wasn't like this. 50 million, you know, unfortunate circumstances. She was just a typical anybody kind of person. Um, and so that right there kind of blew the stereotype out of the water for me, you know, because you always think like, oh, it's people from this part of town or this situation with their family and, mm-hmm. you know, or people in poverty. And that that very well can be true. Those are all factors that contribute to, you know, the risk. But mm-hmm. um, in this particular story that the trainer shared with me, um, she, she talked about a girl who was from the suburbs of Columbus and how she had met a, she was a teenager and she had met a boy, a boy, which turned out to be an older man, like in his twenties or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when you're a young girl and you have an older boyfriend showing you attention and telling you you're pretty and, and just basically giving you all the attention that every young girl wants, um, you know, you kind of, you're kind of love struck and you go along with just about anything they say. So, right. Um, you know, there was some partying involved and there was some, um, you know, doing drugs involved and that sort of thing. And he had just kind of convinced her to spend a lot of time with them, kind of sort of isolating her from her family. And um, and then after a while, he just he had taken her to a party for the weekend or, a play, you know, a party at his place. I can't remember exactly what it was, but, and the, you know, people were doing some drugs and just in their mind, all hanging out with friends and having, a, you know, a party time. Um, and then he started to ask her how she was planning to pay for all the drugs that he'd been giving her. Mm-hmm. And this girl, you know, like I said, she thought this was her boyfriend and she and her boyfriend were doing this together. And it was just a fun time they were having. Um, a lot of us teenagers get wrapped up in that kind of stuff and, you know, trust the people we're with just kind of blindly, mm-hmm. um, especially if they tell us things about like that they love us and they care about us and all that. And we think that we're in this relationship um, and the young girl was kind of like, whoa, what are, you, what are you talking about? And, you know, he and some of his friends pressed her like, well, I mean, did you didn't think this was free, did you? You know, and, and we're not talking about like, you know, smoking some marijuana or something. I mean, they're they're giving hard drugs. So she's basically addicted to these already, even right. in a couple of weekends. Right. Um, so he's kind of got her trapped. You see how that works? Yeah. It, it just kind of flipped it a little bit. And then um, ultimately he 
said, well, you're going to have to figure out a way to pay. You know, this is not free. You have to pay for this. And um, basically said, well, we can show you how to how to earn this money back. And then, you know, you think you're a 15 year old girl. You are with a much older boyfriend that your parents don't know about, that you've been spending a lot of time with, that you're in like another part of the city you're not familiar with. You're surrounded by people that you thought you knew, but now you don't. Mm -hmm. And um, and also you're doing crack cocaine or you're doing a hard drug like that. So you're not exactly going to call your mom up and say, hey, mom, you know, hey, I'm doing I'm doing crack with my 20 some year old boyfriend and we're in this different part of town. I lied to you all this time. Can you come pick me up? You know, so you can see how a 15 year old. Mm -hmm person would be, it's terrifying. And they're in a situation where they don't feel like they have another choice. And that was this young lady's story. And when they told me that, I literally could picture myself, you know, I remember hanging out with boyfriends when I was younger and, you know, thinking that I trusted them completely. And so I thought, gosh, this really could have been me. This is not some, you know, far out story. This is any of us. And so that is what really, I feel like pushed me into like, I have to do something here. Like this is not optional anymore. And your have to do something is kind of interesting because, you know, I think sometimes we feel like with kindness, like it's all or nothing. Like I have to go and I have to save the world, but we can save the world one drop at a time. And I I love that because I feel like that's what you're doing consistently. So talk about, talk about that. What did this, this fire in the pit of your stomach turn into? Well, you literally used my language just now. You said one drop at a time. So, so even after that, I knew for sure that I was supposed to somehow be involved in fighting human trafficking. I had no idea what that was going to look like. I mean, zero idea. Because again, I'm a little second grade elementary teacher. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to bust down doors and like, you know, rescue girls from pimps. And that is not what it's going to look like for me, or at least I didn't think it was. So I thought, you know, what is a normal everyday person? What can I even do? And so, you know, I kind of started with the, oh my gosh, I kind of wish I didn't know this, like overwhelming feeling. Um, But I feel like that's the sad part is that's where a lot of us stay. Mm -hmm. So like whatever the issue is that we're burning about, we feel like, well, I couldn't possibly fix that. So why bother? What, What can I even bother doing? So for the longest time, I really kind of felt like that. I was like, this is too overwhelming. I have no idea where to start. Um, so the same group that had come to train, um, you know, the the class at my church um, offered kind of like a next level training for like not just 101 information, but here's how people can, real people can get involved. And so I'm like, okay, sign me up for this. So I took another kind of next level class um, given by the same group. And I met some other friends there and part of, I think it was like maybe a three or four part class and at the end of it, um, there was kind of a challenge put out to us. Like, okay, you've learned all this and all this stuff, you know, it's real, you know, what's going on right in front of you kind of, what are you willing to do about it? Um, and they gave some opportunity, you know, here's some different things that organizations are doing, but they really encouraged us to think outside the box. You know, they said you can donate time, you can donate goods, you can donate money, your talents, like different things. Mm-hmm. And so still, I was not really sure, but, um, a friend of mine in the class decided to, um, organize an awareness night and she kind of centered it around art. Like she did an art installation to kind of just, you know, make aware, make people aware of what was going on. Mm-hmm. And it was at the gallery hop downtown. So it's kind of like other people are there looking at art anyway. So it was perfect. And she asked me, she said, do you want to help with this? And I told her I would. And 
she said, you know, it'd be cool if we knew somebody that could make stuff maybe to sell and we could donate some of the money to this organization. I said, oh, yeah, that would be awesome. And I said, you know, I used to make jewelry in high school, and I'm talking like put some beads on a string jewelry, okay, not fancy. Right? Friendship like pins? Any element, yes, elementary kids could be doing what I was doing. Like I used to make a couple of earrings and like nothing fancy, but I said, yeah, maybe I could push, put something together for that. And she's like, yeah, let's do that. So I kind of sketched out some ideas. Nothing felt really like the thing. You know, it was just like, okay, I guess I'll do this and we'll sell it for five bucks or something. And I'm telling you, this is where all the best ideas happen. I was taking a shower and, sh- and shampooing my hair. I'm yep. telling you, shampooing your hair does something <laughs> about the ideas. <laughs> and as I'm shampooing my hair, I, I kid you not, it came to me clear as day. Like a picture, I can even picture it right now. Like it was like a little circle of metal and in like the letters were stamped in the metal and it just said the word free. And it was kind of shiny mm. and, you know, just like a little necklace. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's so cool. That's what I should make. But I have no idea how to do this. Like, you know, my barrier is I literally don't know how to do this. So right. Right. Uh, I was like, okay, well, I'll just table that and we'll figure it out. And I talked to my husband. I said, you know, I got this cool idea, but I don't know how to do it. He goes, oh, I can tell you how to do that. And I'm thinking, oh. okay, my big burly husband, you're going <laughs> to tell me how to make jewelry. And so he goes, literally, he works, um, he's a um, like an HVAC technician. So he works in the belly of buildings and stuff all the time. And so he goes, oh, yeah, he goes, people stamp um like tags all the time to label pipes and stuff. So like, you know, what's in the pipe and he goes, I can just get you some stuff. You can stamp that in like a little piece of brass. And I'm like, no way. So he goes out and buys my first set of stamps for me and a whole bunch of brass little circles and helps me make it happen. Um, And so I did, you know, I I stamped it exactly how I saw it kind of in my little vision there. And, um, and we sold, you know, I I made like 20 or 30 of them. I don't even know. And we sold them all out and we donated the money. Um, and so I thought, man, that's great. You know, like I can donate a few bucks to, to this organization and that's how I'm going to like fight this. Um, and I knew it was not going to change the world. It was not going to let them end trafficking that week or anything, but you know, it was a little drop in the bucket. And so that's what I mean by you just use my word. Like I, I don't like measure impact in like giant, giant, you know, measures. It's like a little drop in the bucket each time. And that's how I started. Um, and then people kind of kept asking me, hey, can you come sell your jewelry here? And I was like, I'm sorry to tell you, I don't, that's not really my thing. It was just like a one-time deal, but, you know, sure, I'll make a few more. And then it just kind of like kept building and building into a point I thought, maybe I should make this into like a little side business that I actually do focus on doing this more. And that's kind of how Fancy Freedom was born. And your husband was kind of a, a part of it along all along the way. I, I love <laughs> oh, the totally. story of him at the kitchen table, the very first first time can you share that with our with our friends yeah and this honestly is like I just posted about this because it like popped up on my Facebook memories or something I just posted about this last week but um literally after he had told me you know I can get these little metal stamps for you that have like alphabet on them and you can stamp this metal and I'll just you know you can use my hammers and stuff I thought okay that's great so I come home that night and this is the best I come home I open the front door and it smells like terribly of chemicals or something. I was like, what is going on? Pizza gone really wrong. Oh, that's what I was like. I thought my gas was leaking in my house or something crazy. So I walk in and he is sitting at the dining room table, which is all oak, by the way. (laughs) And he has a blowtorch and he's got all these stamps and all these little pieces of brass everywhere. And I'm like, what on earth are you doing? And he starts showing me what he's doing. And 
I'm just, the whole thing, I'm just like, it is not safe to use a blowtorch in the house, man. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> like, I love you, but you're crazy right now. And so he starts showing me, you know, oh, I thought it would be kind of cool to, like, you can use the blowtorch to, like, color the brass. And he's just showing me different. And I'm like, okay, this is all great, but, dude, you're going to burn our house down. Like, you need to stop. And so it was funny because in the process of this conversation, he, like, dropped something and it burnt the table. And I was kind of <gasps> like, told you so, you know what I mean? Like, <sighs> that's what I mean. So I was kind of like, not, I wouldn't say mad, but I was perturbed a bit. Like, dude, of course you can't do that. <laughs> like, that's not, that's such a like guy thing to do. It's right. Like, blow towards the dining room table. So we kind of laughed about it. And I said, listen, you know, I'm tired. Let's go to bed, whatever. He left all the stuff out. Well, the next day I come downstairs and I see like all the stuff is still on the table and I saw like the ashy looking part where the, the table had been burned. I'm like, oh gosh. So I got a rag and I wiped up the ash and when I wiped it away, there was a little burn in our table and it was in the shape of a heart. Like it was mm. super obvious. Like the burn was a heart shape. Mm. And I thought, I was like, all right, God, I get what you're like. I got what I asked for. You, I asked you for a way to make a difference here and you're telling me hey, this is it, you know, even if it's a little burn on your coffee table. (laughs) Love it. And a memory that, yes, yeah, this is when it started. It was so cool. Yeah, and then every time people came over, I got to tell them the story. So, yeah, Yeah, so that was very cool. And Your your jewelry, Fancy Freedom Designs, is kind of like that, where you stamp in these great, you know, messages on on necklaces and on bracelets and things Mm -hmm. like that, but each one is meant to be the start of a conversation, right? Absolutely. And it's funny, too, because um, after I kind of, I don't know, resigned myself to the fact that, okay, people are, they're, they're not going to quit asking me for this stuff. Like, I've, I've got to keep doing this. Right. So I was, you know, again, I, I'm a teacher. I have a full-time job. I mean, teaching is more than full-time job. I don't really need extra things to do. Um, and so I even remember one night, it was like a Tuesday night or, you know, like a weeknight. And I remember this is, you know, several months after I'd kind of started doing this more regularly and people were finding out about my jewelry and stuff. And it was starting to get a little more refined and, you know, it looks a whole lot better than it did that first dining room table, you know, set. But um, I kept, I started doing it more regularly and people were asking me for it. And I remember I was getting ready for an event at like a church where I was like trying to make like 80 pieces so I could sell. And I remember being like 11:45 at night like sitting at that dining room table like after I had worked all day and I'm pounding out all these pieces of jewelry and I remember going god I'm tired man like can I can I just like write a check cuz I started looking at how many pieces I had okay I'm like if I sell all this it's going to be like what 200 bucks like is that really doing anything like come on here mm-hmm. can I just write a check for 200 bucks and be done cuz I'm tired you know mm-hmm. like work cards are due I don't really have time to be doing this right. and it was pretty clear to me. I mean, I don't claim to like hear things often, but I feel like it was really clear to me that moment. It was, it's not about the money. It's about the conversations. And I I remember even kind of not being sure what that meant at the time. And then later that week, someone said to me like, oh, I forgot to tell you, I wore one of your bracelets. And somebody asked me like, oh, where'd you get that? And I got to tell them all about you and like the human trafficking and like, it it was just a cool conversation. And as soon as they told me that, I thought, okay, I get you, God. I get what you're saying. Like, it's not about me trying. Obviously, a couple hundred bucks here and there is not going to change the life of this nonprofit that I'm, like, trying to help support. It's, mm-hmm. But 
so many people might, you know, that necklace or that bracelet that someone wears out into their job and their community, it can go so much farther than me just telling you about human trafficking. Right. Um, and so that's kind of when I, it all clicked for me. And I'm like, okay, I get you. I, I get what you're saying here. And you have a store now on Etsy, so people can mm-hmm. find Fancy Freedom Designs on Etsy. And, um, Absolutely. You know, I'm wondering, it's such a dark topic. It's such, I mean, there's just darkness there whenever yeah. I think of human trafficking. What keeps you going? How do you not grow weary of doing good when, you, when you're sitting there at your dining room table pounding out messages? Well, I mean, there there are days when I don't want to do it. You know, there's days when, again, like my report cards are due and I've got a giant stack of stuff that needs graded and 15 parents I need to call and I don't want to do extra stuff. But um, but I'll tell you, part of the, the reason I stick with or the main reason really that I stick with it is um, the organization that I, I mean, I will send, you know, funds to different organizations in Columbus that um, support survivors in different ways. But the primary organization I support is called Freedom a la Carte. And um, they're the ones that kind of, like I said, spun out of the DOMA International, who I was originally trained from. And um, they are connected to a, a court a court program here called CATCH Court, C-A-T-C-H. It stands for Changing Actions to Change Habits. And it was founded by Judge Herbert. Um, shout out to Judge Herbert. He's, he's my man. He's awesome. And um, Judge Herbert started this court, a special docket court for... Um, women who've been brought in on prostitution charges, um, because he started to notice they look a lot like domestic violence victims. They look oh. a lot like they look a lot more like victims than perpetrators, you know. And interesting. Um, and so he, yeah, it's amazing. If you get a chance, definitely look up Catch Court, read about it. You you'll just love everything about it. But the the ladies in the Catch Court program, rather than just going to jail and then getting back out and going back to the same place, that the only thing that they know or have been, you know, been with for a long time. Um, it's a two-year uh, program and it has trauma counseling and um, drug addiction counseling and, and all kinds of different facets to it, um, support, you know, with just daily life and job training and all kinds of different things. So, so it's a rehabilitative type setup. Um, and I remember when I heard about that, the Freedom a la carte is kind of the support system for that. So they work together. And when I heard about that, I thought, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. I got the chance to visit a long time ago before I really knew everybody there and that kind of thing, you know, knew, knew Judge Herbert or his staff or anything. Um, and I got to visit and I sat for two or three hours and just listened to the stories. Um, the women come once a week to court. So that's kind of like their um, probation officer check-in type situation. Um, so instead of coming once a month or once every few months, they're, they're there every single week. Um, and they just support each other. They sit and talk about how they're doing. What are they struggling with? You know, things they've done that week that have been like wins for them. Um, and then they, you know, different things, you know, actual, actually the legal parts of what they need to be there for court, you know, also Mm -hmm. go on as well, but it's just like a big support system. And so like just standing there and seeing these women and hearing their stories and just like what amazing overcomers they are. And if they're just given a network of support to like, of people to say, you know what, let me help you fill out this job application or let me help you find a situation where you can get enough clothes that you need or um, let me help you, let me take you downtown so that you can get your driver's license reinstated. Like these are the, let me help you figure out how to cook pancakes for your kids. You know, like things that 
we all learned just growing up, but that they might not have, have had the situ- you know, the chance to learn from in situations that they were in. So um, I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like as big as the network of human trafficking can be, like this network is, is way more powerful than that. And so, you know, when I'm sitting there and I'm banging out some bracelets or necklaces or whatnot, you know, I think, okay, well, this might might make $20 for the organization, but it, that might be a bus ticket for someone to go down and fill out legal paperwork to get their kids back. Or, you know, it might be um, enough for them to help a survivor get some winter clothes. Or, you know, I, I just think of it more of like, what can, how can this further that support system, that, that network, kind of make the web of the network go out a little further. Right. Um, and putting so an actual kind of, face. Yeah, that's what keeps me it. going. And, you know, it's amazing. It. Like these women are some of the strongest women I've ever met. They're amazing. Um, it's been, you know, I've been working and supporting um, Freedom a la carte just in, in my little drop in the bucket ways for about six years now or so, I think. Um, and it's just... The, they're just doing amazing work and I'm just happy to support it. And I've met several of the ladies that have come through the program and graduated now and they're just, they're amazing. They're an inspiration to me. So, you know, if all I need to do is make a few bracelets to kind of do a little something extra to help them, then I'm sure going to do it. Kristen Case, you are an inspiration to me. Thank you so much for talking Thanks, with lady. me today. <laughs> well, hey, ditto right back at you. I love everything you're doing with the kindness movement. You're amazing. That was a conversation with Kristen Case. You can find her jewelry by searching Etsy.com for Fancy Freedom Designs. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich and intern Madeline Peck. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, we'd love it if you'd spread some kindness in the review section. 